0: Welcome to Make It Simple, where we take complicated issues and, with the help of an expert, break them down into ideas we can understand, truths we can apply, and questions worth pondering. I'm Matt Popovitz, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Rachel Ryder. Rachel, we have a special episode today. We have a special guest. Who is our guest on Make It Simple today?
1: I can't even believe that I'm going to say these words, but (laughs) we have, oh my gosh, we have Beth Moore here to talk with us today.
0: That's right, the one and the only
1: <laughs> the Beth Berry. Moore.
0: Yeah, yeah. the uh, some of called her, you know, the the first lady of the Southern Baptist Church at one point, yeah. uh, the queen of evangelicalism, mm-hmm. uh, a trending topic on Twitter, uh, best-selling yeah. author. Beth Moore. Uh, if you don't know yeah. who Beth Moore is, um, and there's not many of you around who don't know who she is, but, but Beth Moore is a dynamic teacher whose conferences take her across the globe. She's written numerous best-selling books and Bible studies. She's also the founder of Living Proof Ministries based in Houston, Texas. And she's also the author of her forthcoming memoir called All My Knotted Up Life, which is going to be released in early 2023. Rachel, what are we going to be talking about with Beth Moore today?
1: Well, the journey she has lived. We are learning uh, lessons from Beth Moore about finding a new church body.
0: Yeah. In case yeah. you're not aware, you know Beth Moore, in, in very public fashion, uh, departed mm-hmm. from the Southern Baptist Church and uh, became a part of the Anglican church body, which is a very different church body altogether. Yeah. And, and this was a this was a big deal. Not not just because of of Beth Moore's prominence in the Southern Baptist Church, but but for what she cited as some of the reasons for her leaving, uh, mm-hmm. she's been uh, open in recent days and weeks uh, about uh, the the motivating factors for her change. You know, some of the things that have uh, been in the political climate and the lack of response from her church body. Uh, Also, just noticing that that her church body was becoming uh, more and more resistant to the influence and leadership of women like her within the church. And so all of that and more pushed Beth Moore to take a step back from the SBC, really more than a step back, and, and change church bodies altogether. And, and mm-hmm. our hope with this conversation is to is to listen to her talk about that transition and that journey, but really try and tease out what are some lessons for for others who are considering a change of churches because it does happen. People change churches, and and if you're Beth Moore or not, there's a journey and a process there that you have to go through that is not easy. Yeah. And we, we want to talk to Beth about you know lessons that that she has for the rest of us if we ever feel led to change local churches. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and and. I'm interested to hear from her, well, her story first of all because yeah. she hasn't she she's kind of been a little bit more muted on her particular journey lately yeah. and she's just now like she's talking and she's sharing and she's doing it so beautifully. Like talk about handling controversy well. Yeah. Um so I'm really eager to just hear from her. Um I've I've left I've moved and had to leave churches. I've left churches because of um things that happened that were that were hard and and I know like I felt like I muddled through those things. And mm-hmm. so I'm interested to hear from her, like like her journey and just some wisdom that she can share for people who change churches. And and I'm sure that we'll hit on this. But like, um, I think she takes that very seriously. This isn't yeah. something she did flippantly. And so I really appreciate that she's gonna talk with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am confident that there are lessons. That she can pass on to us encouragement that she, that she can give to us if we find ourselves in a similar situation where we say, you know, look, I I, I would love to stay, but I, but I can't stay mm-hmm. anymore in this particular church for what, for whatever reason. Yeah. And you know, what, what I'm looking forward to asking her is is really as you as you make that change and, and you look for a new or different church, and maybe you're particularly looking for a healthier church mm-hmm. in some particular way. Uh, what what should you be looking for? What what are the marks of, of a church maybe to to stay away from? And her view and what are the things to look for as you, mm-hmm. as your journey towards that next thing? What what, yeah. what else comes to mind for you, Rachel?
1: Oh, you know, I, am eager to ask her specifically uh, to speak to women and like mm. what, what as a, as a woman who loves Jesus in the church, like what are some things that we should be looking for? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really excited to just hear, hear her wisdom on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and also, how has she handled the criticism of her very public? Oh, gosh. of her very public yeah. departure from the SBC and moving to a very different church body, and and I, I I'm excited to ask that question not just because I want to hear how she's dealt with that, but because I do think that that for everybody, changing churches comes with baggage, for mm-hmm. everybody, Beth Moore or not, and so right. and so. Are there any lessons or encouragements that can be given to those who maybe are avoiding a change of scenery in their spiritual life because they just don't want to deal with the sideways glances or the gossip or whatever? So so I'm I'm hoping she can speak to that a little bit.
1: All right. Well, I think we should hurry up and get to it because I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, we
0: should. All right. So this is our conversation about changing churches with Beth Moore. Beth Moore, welcome to Make It Simple. We are so excited to talk with you.
2: Well, I could not be more pleased. Thank you, guys, for having me on.
0: It's an important conversation. You know, we're going to talk about this journey that you've been on in in making a change in the in the church body that you're a part of, the local church that you attend. And uh, you know, I I know that a lot of people know about this journey. It's been a bit public, but (laughs) there there may be there may be some (laughs) listening who have no idea. So so give us a give us a brief synopsis of this journey you've been on over the last 14 months or so.
2: Well, I'd be happy to do that because it has really been enormous. When you're my age, I'm in my middle 60s, and you have been in one denomination all your life and you make a change, it could not be more disorienting or unsettling. And what I love about being able to reflect on it with you guys today is that I can see the hand of God so at work and at the point, And why don't we ever learn this? And this just never seems to get permanently learned that he's always going to be faithful. He's always going to see it through. And just when we think, no, 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 the whole thing derailed. And now we're on a whole different trajectory, a whole different detour and then you come to realize, and I'll get into this a little bit more as we talk with it. No, it was God's intention all along. It didn't just happen out of crisis, but because Christ planned it to be so. And so that's a beautiful thing about talking about it um, from this point of view, because maybe what someone knows from the public side of it all looks difficult and hard. And I want to get into some of the things about it that have been really magnificent.
0: Hmm. But but you're confident having, you know, the one who's lived through it, you, you're saying you're confident that God is at work in all of it. This is all part absolutely. of God's plan and purpose. And you're, you're not doubting that at all, despite no, some of the messiness.
2: No, absolutely. And what someone that may be unfamiliar with my story or the ministry may not realize is I, I cannot say enough. You'd, you'd have to have been completely steeped in one world as long as I was in a world, make no mistake, that I dearly loved and still love. I'm talking about cradle roll all the way up. I'm talking about serving from the time I was 12 years old. I'm talking about growing up in an era where you go to church multiple times of the week and that your life... You you spend as much time there in the course of a year as you would have spent at school, nearly, um, mm-hmm. almost in your waking hours at home. Where it's your whole, especially in a in a small town, your whole life and your whole my whole sense of belonging and identity. The the ministry that God would in, would end up entrusting to me that I surrender to at eighteen, having no idea what it would look like. But I knew early on when it became public speaking and teaching, I knew that I wanted the ministry to be interdenominational. I was positive of that. And we've mm-hmm. never never gone back from that. It always has been. But my my person my life was fully invested in my you know, belief system, my belonging all in one denomination. And you loved my churches so much. I've been a member of about I guess in the course of my life, about six churches, very, very active in all of them, a great relationship with my pastor and, and leaders in all of them. So when I say that I made a change, it would have taken, I said to Keith the other day, say that God could have given us, Keith is my husband, say that Say that God would have given us a little clip, I think I said this after we got back in the car after church Sunday, A little clip of us in that service right there, just a look, all we had is he said, this is two years from now, or say this, this is even better. This is 15 years from now. What would have gone through our minds? And I would have known that something catastrophic happened because I, I would have had to have been dynamited out of my denomination and, and, and. In, and in fact, you might say I was, but uh, it was so it was so big and would have taken so much and I couldn't have imagined it. And I still love so many people and would serve anyone, there, any church there that would have me. but I was positive I came to a point where God said, go, go. Yeah. And there's no turning back. And that is when we began this journey. So I don't know how much you want me to tell at this time, but I'll say this this was as big to me as any as transferring from, say, for instance, Los Angeles to Miami, Florida. I'm talking about this was this was such a move in my life that I almost can't put vocabulary around it. Yeah. And so we'd come to a point, it was coming to the end of the part of the pandemic where we were isolated and in, where we were quarantined. Churches were starting to open again. And you got to understand, I think I think you two are, have had a, a like experience. When your life has been so immersed in, in church and in um, a community of faith, that's just, I mean, that's part of, I can't, I can't imagine life without that. Then suddenly you don't have a place to go. And what had happened to me, I want to explain why we did such a jump because Mm -hmm. we tried to visit within similar streams to our own, Mm -hmm. but what we found, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we were not welcome. We were, but we were loaded and Mm -hmm. we, we were, we could not be unseen there was yeah. no, it was noticeable from the time we walked from the parking lot to the door of any church that was within our, the, a similar stream. We yeah. And so it brought out, I could see on their faces that it was distracting. Uh, they were either so happy I was there or they were not happy I was there. Yeah. And so, because we were just so controversial, I was going to say at the time, but I don't, I guess that time just never ends. I don't know why. <laughs> I just always want to say I was such a sweet child. I don't know what has happened in my old age, but so we come to a point. I'll say this quickly so that I can have you um, steer me in case I'm I'm going the wrong direction. We get to a point where Keith finally says, "Because now we we really do. We're going to have to change directions." But in such a way that the things that are most meaningful to us, I don't know if I could make this as clear as I feel it in my heart, we needed the most different kind of same that we could mm-hmm. find. Does that make sense? Yeah, there absolutely. were things that were crucial that were just non-negotiable to me. Um, mm-hmm. J- Jesus as the Son of God, fully God, come fully human, Um the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus as Lord. I mean, that we as yeah. sinners made saints by the power of the cross and resurrection, a, a sky-high view of Scripture yeah. as a authority for all things life and godliness, the, the Holy Trinity, the gospel preached, and not only preached, but also we were t- to, to have that kind of evangelical spirit that says right. that we share our faith when God gives us the opportunity. These were things— they, they were just necessities to me. These, yeah. these were, if we think of, of it as a spine and ribs, the uh, secondary um, uh, matters as ribs, and then the spine, the things that have to be there for the body to remain upright, those, those were spinal issues to me. So it had to be, the, that had to be the same. But now how do we find something where we are not triggered and we don't trigger them yeah. And um, so Keith Moore says to me one Saturday night when I'm having a meltdown, and I'm not really a meltdown kind of person. I'm pretty yeah. buoyant. I'm pretty bouncy. I mean, I, I'm I'm a I'm Tigger. I'm gonna I get knocked down, <laughs> but I, I jump back up. I bounce. I bounce. Yeah. So Keith says to me, Elizabeth, and he says this to me from the kitchen. He says, "Get out your phone right now," and he said, "I want you to Google Anglican churches in Houston, Texas, and we're going to the wow. closest one." That literally, listen. That literally is how this happened. So we have, I was going to say a bunch, not a bunch, uh, under a half a dozen, a little uh, red pins come up and Keith looks, he comes over and sits beside me and looks, I'm nearly in tears because I'm like, where are we going here
0: to church?
2: And he says, this is where we're going. We're going tomorrow. So this begins our journey. And I'm going to let y'all take me from here, but let me say this much. We walk in five minutes before. So this is now an Anglican church. Now I'm coming out. I am coming out as far far into what you think of when you imagine the evangelical world, um, the uh, fundamentalist world, the um, very conservative world, uh, the Southern Baptist world. I am as far—I'm immersed— I'm an immersed Baptist. Very, yeah. I don't mean I'm a sprinkle <laughs> Baptist. I mean, I'm fully immersed. Yes. So we walk <laughs> in the church in the front door and I'm thinking, oh, I look at Keith and I just, you know, I'm so nervous. My heart's just, you know, I feel like I'm wearing a tag that says, hi, my name is Baptist. I mean, I'm just positive. Right. They look at yeah. me. Yeah. and But there's this whole crowd of people at the back of the church where we need to walk in and find a pew, you know. They're all in robes. Some of them are holding candlesticks. And they're, I mean, we're just like, oh, I say to Keith, oh, we've come on a special Sunday. I don't know that this is the way they're going to do <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. This is so embarrassing.
0: Yeah. No, it's, so, but it's another this- world, a totally different world.
1: So Beth, I know that leaving a church has like a particular kind of grief and pain, um, especially when you leave because of hurt. And so I guess the question would be like, um, so why why keep looking for a church? I know that you wanted to be in a church community and all that, but but I could imagine the tendency to want to just like stop and like, I'll just attend online or I'll just um, take a break from church service. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Oh, I, I would love to share that because I have had a number of people ask me why in the world I would open myself back yeah. up to that. And, I, and I, I love to be able to explain that, church has been one of the most redemptive things in my life. So my home was very unstable, but my church was a harbor and, and my my denomination was. I uh, In every move that I made where I then attended an, another church and joined there and started serving there, same way. So I... I I don't I do like to be legalistic about this, but I am going to say, I believe a community of faith is absolutely integral to the believer. Mm -hmm. I think for us to be able to walk it in such a way where we have joy, where we have patience, where we're built up in our faith, we need one another so badly. So it may be because I've had a lot of people say, well, can't that take place in a home Certainly, that's how we had home churches, all of these things. But I I believe that the corporate reading of Scripture and the um, experience of corporate worship and to be brothers and sisters, and I say this because I'm I'm pointing at my shoulders, that there are edges that we break off of one another, that we, we operate as a true family. And so we also get on one another's nerves Mm -hmm. and all of those things that, that are part of growing up in Christ is coming to a place where you can kind of die to yourself. And so I don't, it, Rachel, it, it just was not even in my multiple choice Mm -hmm. answers, not to find a church. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could thrive that way. Um but what was so refreshing was going I have because I come from the denomination that mm-hmm. I do I had attended what relatively speaking I guess all of them would have been mega churches. Yeah. If you're talking about really in comparison to the average sized church uh in in on the globe I guess all of them would be mega churches. So now you need to understand that I walk into a congregation of that church service about 120 people. So I I just—if you said, "Well, which do you like better?" I—I I, I love it all. I'm sorry, I hate to be that—that that much of an Enneagram Seven, but I just—I love the atmosphere of corporate worship and the scriptures.
0: You know, Beth, certainly you, your experience was unique, to say the least, in in what ultimately you know the Lord used to move you from one church body and yes. from one local church to another. Yes. But but certainly, I you know I would assume that there are there are things that you've learned in that journey that you perhaps you could pass mm-hmm. on to somebody else who's wrestling with whether or not to make that same transition because i you know changing a church probably shouldn't be done easily or often but but sometimes oh, no. but sometimes it has to happen so like how do how
2: do right. you know it's time to go yes one of the things i like to push back on really really hard as as hard as i can do yeah. it gently is that we have this consumer approach to our church mm. i truly believe that the the congregation the uh, fellowship of believers the community of faith Is something that is very, very important to the Lord. In other words, it's not haphazard. It's not we're going to visit fifteen different places and we're going to see which ones we can, you know, mark the following list of things that we've got to have in order to stay. I I believe that it's something different than that. I believe that that is such an important relationship that it's led of the Spirit, and so we endure just like we, like my goodness, if I, I was at First Baptist of Houston. I'm trying to think how many years from my mid-20s all the way to my mid, nearly to my mid-50s. Wow. Lo- mm. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. But this, you don't, you don't not have conflict in that length of time. Did, did we have things right. that were challenging? Of course. You know, we did life together, but, um, but, you know, you, that's, that's your people, That's where you stay, and so that's that's very important. So here's what I would say: I want I want to remind people because this, it's it's hard and it hurts to leave a people that we love, and sometimes God's leading us to leave, but we won't go. Now I don't think this was the case in in this situation, but leading us to leave and we won't go, and so. We don't want to be sad, so we're forced into a situation where we get mad because it's easier to be mad than sad right. when he's, but I want, I want to remind our brothers and sisters that, I mean, the Great Commission is go. Mm. God's word to Abraham yeah. all the way back in Genesis 12. So you got both these yeah. eras of time where God is saying exactly the same yeah. thing and that's that in the believing life there's a lot of going. Yeah. Mm. So I mean it's just so to have to accept mm. that that if if there is more staying than going, well you're you're almost exceptional. Mm. So um that mm. that was better for me. And what I would say to somebody I'm a stayer. I've, I've laughed and said I haven't been married 43 years because I go easy. I don't. I listen. I can kiss and make up. I'm. Uh, I'm a stayer. I, I have long relationships. I still have the two of the same best friends I had before I had children. If that tells you anything, I mean, I've been with them within the last week and or uh, and week and a half. So, I believe in enduring. But um, I also believe that God leads us to places where he has something new and fresh to do in our lives. And so what I would say to somebody is when you can no longer stay, that for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, even if it's not, you don't even understand it. You just say, for whatever reason, now you are unsettled. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be any kind of crisis. It's just that somehow something is unsettled Mm -hmm. in you and there is a go from the Holy Spirit in, in you and Go, oh, man. what? Yeah. Go! Don't overstay your welcome, <laughs> or you turn it into crisis. Mm. You know.
0: Yeah. Sure. So, so it's almost like a sense that you get. Like staying is going to equal unfaithfulness. Yes. It's. Mm. It's. it's I, 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 exactly. I. I can't be faithful and stay here. I, and, and, and It exactly. might be hard to define otherwise. And
2: I can. It, Either, and there's also the opposite. I can't leave and be faithful. In other words, I don't get to just like, this is, I'm, I'm a little ticked at people right. and now I'm just not going to go back. That it's not the way I was raised. And then biblically, um, I'm not academically trained, Matt, but I've studied the scriptures now for nearly 40 years. My, I, I would have been in mm-hmm. it long before then I would have been raised in it but I'm talking about where you're really starting to research and study 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 hours and hours a week that's been nearly 40 years and so it's also because that's my biblical training is that you're you know you 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 stay and endure and then when you have to go you go so it it it's a very important thing or we we stay overstay and then it's got to go bad so Absolutely tough. And it, Rachel, when you brought up a few minutes ago, you said, I I know it was hard. Mm -hmm. I, I will not be exaggerating to tell you, I don't think this is melodramatic, that it was like a death.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Well, and, and. You know, I know that you are somebody who has a deep understanding of God and His grace and His goodness, because you even said you at the, you started this out talking about His faithfulness. But I, I wondered yes. about those times, like how you how you deal with the not just the like being a public image and and having to have that personal life, but personally how you walk through that um, that grieving of leaving that death. Yes. Um, mm.
2: uh, so so many tears. And my my husband, he does not have the same story. He and I, I mean, we just like fell in love. We were both in long-term relationships that probably would have been very compatible for marriage, <laughs> met one another, dropped everything mm-hmm. and uh, fell in love and married and brought so many differences into the home. But he, well, he was sort of like, you know, I'll go where you go. I mean he had faith in Christ. He was a believer. He mm-hmm. said, I'll just go where you go, because he said you were you're a better Baptist than I was of and so-and-so. And so we just that's what we did. Mm-hmm. But he watched yeah. me go through, he yeah. knew that it was so absolutely disorienting mm-hmm. and so unsettling and such such grief and mm-hmm. caused so many tears. And I gotta tell y'all to the degree I know. It's a world that I knew the best. In other words, I, I think I think y'all know what, what I'm saying when I knew the lingo. Mm-hmm. I knew I know there's a way we talk, yeah, we pray, the rhythms, there's a way we everything. Eat. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and I had to literally unfollow tons yeah. of of people and I I wrote most of them that were my dearest friends. I said, you're going to notice I'm going to unfollow. And uh-huh. I said, I need you to know, I hope to follow back. But right now, mm-hmm. everything, and in fact, I can feel a lump in my throat saying, saying this. They would just bring up something that is part of Southern Baptist life yeah. that would make me want to cry. Mm-hmm. It would be a particular missions week. We would all, anything, all that familiarity. Cause I felt like I had lost my home. Yeah. I'd lost my family. I said, I, I'm, I'm going to be all right. And I'm, I said, I'm not mad at you. I said, love you. I'm coming back. Um, to, I'll come back and follow, but I need, I got to now wean off. Yeah. But what I cannot begin to say, what, a blessing god had for mm-hmm. us i i could not have seen this coming if my life had depended on it what would happen to us in that row that day mm-hmm. that we the first day that we went and you know i'd never done any kind of <laughs> liturgy I I did Keith had had a background in a liturgical church he was raised and went to school par- parochial school mm-hmm. in that kind of a liturgical environment so he was like a fish to water I was four sentences behind at all times <laughs> at all times and I just was like catching up I was so nervous I was like red my throat was yeah. red but I'm going to tell you I was in such a place of brokenness and need even saying the words of the Nicene Creed, mm. I hung on every syllable of it. When we were invited forward for the Eucharist, Keith and I, we nearly dove <laughs> at the altar. <laughs> oh. When I yep. say my hands, we were so lean for My hands were so yeah. cupped. Ready to, I, we were like starving people for bread. Yeah. and. I can't even say, so I get in the car, I I'm, I feel a lump in my throat even talking about it. I get in the car, Keith's cried through the whole service because he's, you know, he's back home and he's mine. <laughs> um, I don't cry until the end. I cry at the end because a group of women come around me and go, okay, we don't know why you're here, but we want you to know you're wanted here.
1: Best. And I didn't
2: know that they knew me. Oh, it's Oh y'all. my
1: goodness. I,
2: I want to tell you, Rachel, I couldn't even, I never answered them. All I did, it, I mean, I began to sob. And one of them set her arm, her hand out toward my arm. And she said, Beth, tell me, are you okay? Uh And I, I, so I nodded yes. And she said, so those are happy tears. (laughs) And I said, yes. I couldn't say a word. I've never done such a public display (laughs) of emotion in my life. Uh, So I got to the car, cried all the way home and took a nap. I was so exhausted. Got back up and sat with Keith on the couch and said, I said did did you hear how much scripture we heard mm-hmm. and he said yes and I said who's really three chapters because now he knows <laughs> me so well he knows exactly what's going to remember I said at the end of it did you hear them say now go Forth, knowing Christ and making Him yeah. known. <laughs> See, this is ringing right oh, into the yeah. evangelical That's right. That's right. heart right here. And so he said, "I heard mm-hmm. that." I said, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "Did you hear how much they talked about the gospel?" Yes, Elizabeth. <laughs> I heard that. And so I sat there quiet for a little while. Then I looked back and I said, "I think I want to go one mm-hmm. more time." He said, "Okay, we'll we'll go next Sunday." And you know what, Rachel? We never mm-hmm. visited anywhere else. That little that little group of people. Yeah folded mm-hmm. us into their arms and let us be so awkward. I was yeah. the, I'm still so awkward, but I was confirmed. Yeah. I've been confirmed for four okay. months now. So, Well, and
1: mm-hmm. hearing you tell the story, it just sounds like a balm to your soul, like just like refreshing oh. waters in what was a really tough season.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, resonated most with me. I'd be interested to hear this from, because you guys are even bringing in another denomination. I'd love to hear this from your point of view. One of the best things that my heritage, my denominational heritage did, was to teach how to have a personal relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus. So that, like I've never wondered, am I in Christ or am I not? That those things were so well established to me. Um, I've never, like, I've loved the scriptures since I was a little girl. I've loved missions uh, since I was a small child. Those things Mm -hmm. were all um, very, very uh, common to me. But when I got to be grown, I was already set for how to have this personal thing with Jesus. And it's been the dearest thing in the world to me. But so I, I wouldn't trade that for anything, for anything. If somebody asked me, do you wish this is the way you started? Well, well of course yeah. not. I love the journey that the Lord has had me on. But what one of the things that Anglicanism does, and I don't know, maybe it's all liturgical. Y'all have to yeah. remember, I have this much right. experience. Yeah. Me too. But one, the thing that I needed most, remember how um, isolated yeah. we, were. Yeah. we were. We felt very alone. We felt very put out to sea, like we were just, I mean, just like out in yeah. the deep, uh, un- unmoored, so to say, and um, but everything—the th- difference in our Anglican Church is everything is we, yeah. and every time we said it, I, I still want to—I still want to choke up about it. That I needed. I think it's one of the things that they do mm-hmm. best. My my heritage was all about personal relationship and of course they do that as well but it's about no this is we we're all in this together it's we have died together we live together we will always be together and y'all
0: i think i think you're nailing one of the powers of a liturgical tradition sure i'll show my cards i'm uh, a a lutheran pastor so we have a strong liturgical heritage as well and you know one of the one of the big um, benefits of it is that it, it it lets the past speak, and it lets the present around you speak. So you know, be, because you, you you know that you know my my great grandfathers and ancestors in the faith they they confess these creeds too. So yes. and and now they're at the, they're yes. in the throne room of of heaven at the feet of Jesus, and they're confessing who he is too, along along with it's me. It's too right? much. But then it, it's just right. too much. But then I also yeah. get to hear it's the voice much. of my brothers and sisters beside me saying yes. this. Yes. And there is there can be this constant yes. reminder, I am not alone. I'm part, I am part I'm of something alone. so much bigger than me that goes before me and stands next to me mm. and is above me in eternity. It,
2: it was magnificent. Yeah. I would say to them, Matt, over and over until they would laugh at me, do you guys have any idea what you no. have here? <laughs> do you have yeah. any idea. I was like, where has this been? And there's this gorgeous passage. What's gotten me through, I've thought about it over and over again. And it's what what has brought me to a lot more peace. I still have a lot of healing to do, but I'm where I have Gotten in this journey is to a place where I am absolutely positive this wasn't a derailing. This wasn't a place that I just fled, but it is a place that I was led. That that I'm certain of. And so that's very redemptive Mm -hmm. because I want to think, well, what all did I... I must have done so much wrong to be A castaway like this, but there's this gorgeous verse in first Thessalonians chapter three where Paul is talking about the Thessalonians. Now he longs to be with them and how, how they, their hearts are blessed because they, the Thessalonians are standing firm in the faith. And he says how much they long to come back to them. And he says, and these words supply what is lacking in your Mm -hmm. faith. And I, I truly think Matt that I was that the Lord in his graciousness was like, Beth, I would not have you miss this for Mm -hmm. anything.
1: Yeah.
2: Your impression of this world is that, and I wouldn't, like, I didn't think negative thoughts about it. I just would not have known that it was going to wreck Mm. me. I would not have ever guessed that it was going to move me to a point that I almost could not bear mm. the sense of God's presence around around me. But I feel like he's done that. Mm. I feel like at this point in my life, here I am in my mid-60s, <laughs> right. yeah. that he is, that he at this point, and it still is, he's still got it to go, but he's sure. finishing
1: what was lacking. This was completely yeah. lacking in my yeah. experience, yeah. completely. Um, okay, Beth, so... I want to talk a little bit specifically about uh the role of women in church. So um you yes. obviously have, you know, you're a teacher of I would say men and women, but but you really have a heart, I would say, for your sisters and and for women. Yes. So um, I'm in a new community. I'm looking for a church. What what like and I'm just also becoming aware of like, what do I actually believe about mm-hmm. about my mm-hmm. role as a woman who loves Jesus in the church? So I'm I'm you know, same. I I had always seen one thing and I'm learning. I'm like, what do I actually think? And what has God shown me? Exactly. So I'd love to hear your counsel or your wisdom on like, so what, what questions should I be asking when I come into a church about how they treat women? Like, what are some things that you would say I should be looking for? Cause I know, I think, I think this is a nuanced conversation and there's a lot of yes. points of view. And I would just love to hear in your experience and this journey you've been on, um, what should I be looking for? Yes,
2: I, I would I would love to speak to mm-hmm. that. And I, I wanna say, and when I say this, I'm not speaking to a whole denomination. Yeah. I'm speaking about a segment of it yeah. that I do hold responsible for this. I yep. want to tell you if you said to me today, what ought do you hold against them? What what mm-hmm. if you could say this is what I believe that you did that was injurious to me and to my sister. So I'm talking now, not the whole thing. I'm talking way over here, but a very, very influential part of it. This is what I would tell you that what I now um, cannot bear is this way of teaching and preaching that conveys that we are the rightest of the right And no one else is as right. In other words, that it's given not as these are orthodox views from here to here. These have been within orthodoxy throughout Mm -hmm. the centuries of the New Testament church. Now, we we really believe this, but there are orthodox people, godly men and women Mm -hmm. who believe this, that was never, that's what, see, Rachel, I thought when you said when, at what point do you think for yourself? No, I just believed mm-hmm. it. We were right. Yeah. This was the right way. But I do want y'all to know this, and this is something I would tell someone to flag over quickly. What we have seen You may not have seen it because you're not in the same world, but what I saw in my world and what I had to object to and would continue. I don't have any regrets. I would do this for my sisters again and again, even if they didn't want me to. Mm -hmm. But what I saw was that it was going so far to the, to into conservatism and into fundamentalism Mm -hmm. that women were having no, almost no place at all. And so that. No, that wasn't my Southern Baptist <laughs> denomination right? or yeah. church coming up. We were obviously, you know, I got to teach classes, I got to speak, I got to do all the mm-hmm. things. We just weren't at our church, we weren't deacons and 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 senior pastors. Is right. no big deal. We we served shoulder to shoulder with our brothers. We I mean, this was like there we we could talk to one another yeah. and not be awkward. I, I got to be, the more I was out in the larger world, the more I would come around men, Matt, that I would realize, dude, have you ever had a conversation? I know. A room, uh, I mean, like I go right yeah. here. My eyes are right yeah. here. Can, do you not? Because if you separate the genders so dramatically, right. mm-hmm. no wonder you don't think they bring anything in. You've never seen anything they yeah. brought. So I would definitely, Rachel, if you, if you walk in a church and you visit a couple of times and there is no, I mean, there are no women in leadership. You're not hearing from anyone. You are not seeing, you're not hearing their voices. You are not seeing them serving. Oh, that is a huge flag. Unless that's where your doctrine is is settled, that that's that's what you want. Then that's but I'm just going to tell you something. I, I refuse to believe based on Scripture. Based on, I've said it over and over again. I do not resent having been taught 1 Timothy 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't resent it at all. What I resent is only being taught 1 Timothy uh-huh. 2. Yeah. That that right. it was not. It was like, but it, yes, it says that. It's not all right. it says. And why don't we look into why it says it? And those That's are right. the things. Those are the things. But I'm just going to tell you, God did not commission Followers of Jesus to go out into this world and take the message of Jesus and teach and equip the saints and completely forego half the gospel population under the sun. No. I do yeah, not believe yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and, and Beth, what I, I mean, I, I don't hear you saying that some, someone shouldn't be a part of a church body that has a particular view of ordination. Um, but but what, right. what, what what I hear you saying, and, and what what I try to do in my church body, because I'm part of a church body that that does happen to believe that that the role of pastor is reserved not for any man, but just called mm-hmm. and qualified mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. But if I'm part of that church body, I'm a pastor in that church body that believes that about ordination, it's then incumbent upon me to find every other opportunity for women to lead and use 100%. I, I have a greater burden I have, to do that.
2: I, 100%. Hmm. I, I told some of my brothers that are way, way to the right of me because, you know, you try for a long time. And a lot of them, listen, they didn't, it didn't change anything, but they did. Listen, I don't want to um, portray this like it was all. A big fight, but I have said over and over again: the more complementarian you are, I mean, the the more extreme you are to the right, the more it is incumbent upon you to be to teach what women are able to do. So good to teach what it means to teach what is not. I mean, it is. if you're going to bring up the word submission, you better also bring up what submission is not. Don't have me having these women come to the ministry and and think they're going to need to stay with their husbands who are beating the snot out of them. No, no, no. So I'm with you on that. And Matt, you need to know something. This is what is just maddening. It's just maddening. You have to understand, my entire ministry... Has been focused on women. Mm -hmm. I mean, if men came, that was, that was on them. But I, you could not have been more outrageously female in, in your presentation than I Mm -hmm. was if your life depended on it. I was not, never was looking to be in any kind of situation where I was a senior pastor and trying to steal somebody's pulpit. And the thing about it is what I believed and what broke my heart when all was said and done is because I think they knew that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the point, I think that without getting into this, I think that it had political um, aspects to it, but I no more think they thought I was leading some enormous feminist movement Mm -hmm. than that. I was a little green man from Mars.
1: Well, and I wanted to talk about that too, because I think it's, you've been an easy villain to a lot of people and you've had to deal with that very publicly. Like you have, I love following you on Twitter. Like I love your humor. I love your sense of like down to earthness, but like it makes you a really easy target. So yes, I mean, and yet you're still you're still online. You're still wading well, through it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Rachel, you're one reason I'm still mm-hmm. on there. And I mean this when I say this. For one thing, my personality and my way is so I'm such a caricature. Yeah. I have very big features. I have big eyes. I have a large nose. I have a large mouth. I'm, you know, I'm demonstrative. So I'm a natural. I have a very thick accent. Mm-hmm. I'm a natural to make mm-hmm. fun of. So there's there's all of that. But when It all began when there began when it went from just your regular normal. There are always people that are going to disapprove of you and not like you Mm -hmm. to what I've gone through since 2016. Next level.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Right, right. And really, really uh, unrelenting. Mm -hmm. But what (laughs) drove me over, and yeah, yeah, I hope Mm -hmm. I I really do believe Mm -hmm. so, yes. But um, you young women, every day, Mm Every day, I thought to myself, what does this say to them if I can be bullied off? Mm. Sure. What? So what does Rachel, not just not even knowing Mm -hmm. your name, but like what? Okay. What did the 20s and 30s and 40s, a full grown 60 year old woman who has, however wobbly, walked with Jesus since before she was 10 years Mm -hmm. old. Spend I don't know how many hours a week in the scripture. Are you telling me? And I felt like this was the way the Lord um, put it to my spirit was like, really, Beth, you don't think you can handle this? Wow. I think you can, you know, is be like, you'll be fine and get out there and do it. And so every day I would just think, even if I um, tweeted about enchiladas, Rachel, it was like, (laughs) oh, no, I'm not going to let those young women say, you know what, you can just, if. You can be bullied off, and what I knew was happening, and I'll believe this to the to the end, is that I was being used as a cautionary tale. Yep. Oh, that sure. this is what if you right. if you um, buck the system, mm. this is what will happen to you. Because I watched them as soon as I departed, they turned uh, that that same little group, and again over mm-hmm. here, but they turned to another another teacher, and I was like, mm.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> What are you going to do with what That's you right. got when you're done? Mm. When you have achieved. What you were after, what are you going to do with what you got?
0: Yeah. So so Beth, I I think there's, there's gotta be, you know, some lesson or some, some encouragement there for, for others who are changing churches who, uh, while it's not happening in the same way in which it's happened for you. I I think anytime someone, especially if you're part of a small church and you're in a smallish Mm -hmm. town and you switch to another church, you know, that comes with sideways glances that comes with opinions that comes with people (laughs) saying things, right. Uh, But it happens at the supermarket instead of on Twitter. So like, there is friction that comes with changing a faith community. Yes, so, is. so from yes, what you've is. learned, what's your encouragement to those who are who are maybe avoiding making the change they need to make because they're afraid of some of the pushback, sideways glances, or friction they're going to experience?
2: Well, that is a very real part of it. First thing I would want them to know, Matt, is that I get it because it's not a joke. It really like for instance, um, after I began serving at my church, I had you know I I went through acolyte training, me and the children, and so you know that and the, so I served you know and so I serve when I serve and I served last Sunday I serve in a robe. <laughs> And so a picture of me went on, somebody literally stalked me in my online, wow. they looked online until they found me. And y'all, they would have had, I'd never told which church, yeah. I can't tell you the hours they would have had to spend finding yeah. me. But they found me and they posted all over the place that I would, I mean, the picture looked like... I the, you know, people from the world that I I was in, they would think, "Oh, she's a high priestess." What? Mm. What in the world has happened here? Because there was no understanding, and and it was that I was um, preaching, and you know, I was an acolyte anyway. Mm. All the misunderstanding. What? I. This is going to sound like, oh well, Beth. This is the catch-all for everything. But the thing of it is, it is it is it really is. There's no shortcut to this. Just purely trusting the Lord with your Mm -hmm. life. That you, we have to resist living for the approval of other people. That we, it feels so long, life feels so long while we're living it, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. And all that's going to matter to us when we take our last breath here and we open our eyes and we see the, the, the gorgeous, gleaming face of Jesus mm. is to the degree that we knew how, were we faithful to him? Did we do his will? Did we honor him and give credit to him? And that's gonna mean that we have to take being misunderstood. Mm. I think that's such yeah. a frustrating part of it is that and that they don't take it, they don't take your explanation yeah. as an answer. You was you have to leave your reputation when you think he, that Jesus made himself of no reputation in order to follow him. There are going to be times that we are going to lose the favor of our, of our mentors. God will leave nothing untested, not in a long life. He'll go after, do, are you more loyal? Would you choose them, their approval over mine? He will go through the life and he'll do it again and again. Mm-hmm. And just to have the courage enough to go, I'm I'm going with Jesus and I'm going to let him work this out. And you know no matter how many people misunderstand and that's that we ha- I'm not playing when I say that we never have the sense of Jesus any more profoundly than when we don't have a sense of anyone mm-hmm. else. Gosh, yeah. So somehow in that Loneliness and in that misunderstanding and in the pain, there is this beautiful glimpse right. of the life of Christ that you would not trade for anything. That's right.
0: so, so, in embracing the difficulty that comes with making this change, if you are indeed called to make this change, there is an opportunity to see and appreciate and experience the, the love and goodness of Jesus. More deeply and clearly, right? Yeah.
2: Yes. And to quit – can I just say and quit stereotyping people? (laughs) Because that's one of the things. I knew that that was part of the point of the Lord, is that when we don't get out of our camps, it's so easy to look around think we were right about it all and everybody else is wrong. And you don't know – I don't know somehow the picture of liturgy. I I would never have known. I looked at these faces – There was nothing wrote in Mm -hmm. these spaces. These, when that when that cross would pass through that middle that middle aisle, and I would watch those. I I think about how Peter said the holy women who hoped in God Mm -hmm. long ago. These holy women, when they would, when I'd see them drop their head, and I think that is what I thought was unfeeling and Mm -hmm. routine. Right. Right. You, if you don't ever get out you don't know there's such right. lovely people in the body of <laughs> christ right.
0: absolutely yeah. you, you know beth um, uh, you you talk about being part of this liturgical tradition and and you, you speak so beautifully about what it's what it's, um, what it's what it's exposed you to and how it's opened your eyes um, what what has it i hope this question makes sense what has it taught you being part of this tradition and um you know you talked about being confirmed What has it taught you about Jesus that maybe you didn't see or appreciate before? Does anything come to mind? Oh,
2: yeah. You know, I think, and this kind of goes with what what I was uh, just saying in that, boy, don't think that the Lord won't help us see the Pharisee in us. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's so He's so faithful to put us in a situation where we are greatly humbled by the devotion of a people that practice their faith in Christ, faith in Christ, and their love for the scriptures and their love for the gospel with a, a different style of worship uh, than than we do. And that he is so much bigger than we want him to be. I mean that, I mean that. We really do. We want so much to create Christ in our image. We want so much to. We want Christ to hate all the same people that we hate. And we want him to side Mm. with our side. And and these things that are so—the sense that God bringing us into a place where we have to exercise patience and endurance— to get to the point of seeing how redemptive he mm-hmm. is, that if you'll just go with him, he it, it may be very, very painful while you transition and while you find a new place of belonging to the degree that we ever do. But you'll see then how he was faithfully showing you something and teaching you something that you just could not
1: possibly have seen
2: otherwise. Yeah, that's right.
1: Gosh, I feel like we could just sit and talk to you forever. Um, I think we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time, but I wanted to, I, I wasn't going to say, I, I have a story I wanted to share with you um, oh, just please. to show, like, I don't know, the impact you've had. So I met you when I was 19. My best friend's mom had passed away and you spoke at her funeral. And you took my friend and her sisters to get clothes for the funeral. And I was very close with this family. So Sherry and Sherry had been like a mom to me. Um, She really had, I had a really hard, I had some tough things in my upbringing and Sherry had been like a mom to me. So I'm there with my friend and her sisters. And I was kind of off to the side and um, you asked if I was okay. Oh, I didn't think I'd get emotional. Um, And I was like, yes, you know, I'm really sad for my friend and for her. And you said, you know, you just said, it's okay for you to grieve too. Your grief is also a yes. gift. And I want to tell you like yes. 20 years later, my mom passed away recently and my brothers were really struggling, just like we're trying to be strong. And I said, you know, somebody told me once that your grief is a gift and it's it's okay to oh, have grief. God. And I just share that with you that like you said something to me briefly off to the side and it just like, it impacted me forever. And oh so- my goodness.
2: I- I don't think you could have brought up anything that would call. I mean, the hair is standing straight <laughs> up on my arms, that I would remember more vividly yeah. than mm-hmm. that, than being with those three girls and yeah. working through yeah. that absolute um It was horrible. Calamity. Yeah, yeah. A terrible, terrible. Tragedy. And I got to tell you, I've had to remember those words. There's just nothing, both of you will know what I mean by this, Matt, especially if you are a pastor. Oh my goodness, you've had it happen so many times where your own words have come back around <laughs> you. And you've had to, you've had to like, okay, you've taught this before. You better, you better know how to do it. But I've, I've had to also feel that way about my grief mm-hmm. in this uh, big change in my life and, and being able to view it as something that was not a trade in, but something that God was adding to. And that my tears, that my grief and my sorrow and all my letting go, that it was um, an offering to him and he esteemed it, that he esteemed it. So Mm. I've had to do, I've had to take up that sacred sorrow in my own, in my own life. And I'm so sorry. You've just lost your mom. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you.
0: Beth, thank you so much for sharing and for telling your story and for being with us today. It, it means it means so much to us. We really appreciate it.
2: Well, I have loved every second of it, and I bet your church is fabulous.
0: Well, we're here in Houston. You should come hang out with but us. I would never pull you away from I the Anglicans, bet, but you're welcome anytime.
2: I bet <laughs> it is absolutely fabulous, y'all. I've enjoyed every single lot second of, thank of it. You thank, thank you so much. You so very much. My great pleasure. You guys take you care. Too, thank Beth. You.
1: Oh, man,
0: <laughs> that, that was, that was, that was a, there was a really wonderful conversation. You know, Beth is, um, Beth is just, a, um, a profound and delightful and joyful person. And it's, uh, yes. it, it was great to talk to her. Wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I can't think of any guest we've had where I was like, they didn't seem like they wanted to talk to us, but man, she showed up ready to share her story. She did, And it was just, I mean, no hesitation. Just happy to be here talking, and I yeah. I really appreciated that.
0: Yeah, and I just yeah. feel, and I hope I hope our I hope you know our listeners feel the same way. I feel very mm-hmm. honored that she would have this vulnerable, yeah. honest discussion with us because she's she's really not talked about it much, despite it being a right. very public transition from the Southern yeah. Baptist Church into uh, another denomination and and from one local church into another local church it's been very mm-hmm. very public and and um it's been a trending topic on twitter and yet she she, yeah. she she just not talked about it and yet she's decided to talk about it with us and it, you can tell it's a very vulnerable thing but she is ready to talk about it and, I, and i'm very humbled that she would talk about it with us here on on make it simple and with our listeners so so i'm yeah. th- i'm struck i'm struck by that i feel very grateful that she would she would she would talk with us about
1: this uh, yeah
0: wh- absolutely wh- what were some of your takeaways from from her story
1: you know, I really liked when she said that um in life a lot of times our sense of Jesus is greatest when we don't have a sense of other people. Yeah. Um because knowing her and knowing her ministry, she really is a fan of being in community, but we all like that's just such a beautiful way to look at loneliness and those seasons that are really hard to say like, you know, but I got a really good sense of Jesus. Yeah. Um yeah. gosh, that was just beautiful.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I think part part of how she said it was you 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 can grow in your appreciation of Jesus's presence, yeah. and when you feel the the absence of others, right? Mm-hmm. And you oh, know, yeah. the, you know, there's the scriptural idea that you know, in my weakness, the the presence and power of God God is made stronger, right? And and so, you know, you you get a sense for Beth, and I think she was trying to tell our listeners the same thing. You get a sense for Beth that that for her, this has been a journey where, despite its difficulties, in fact, probably through the difficulties. Mm-hmm. Her faith has grown, and and her appreciation of who God is and and the work of Jesus in her life has grown through the difficulties, not in spite of them. And that, that's yeah. kind of a promise. That kind of sounds and feels like a promise to somebody else who's wrestling with making a transition and making a change that might be might be somewhat similar, a big scary change that that uh, you you are you are quite possibly going to experience a richer. Um, encounter with yeah. God than you have before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Really powerful Gosh. stuff.
1: Well, and also like I've never been a part of a church that didn't have some kind of you couldn't see the influence of Beth Moore in the women's yeah. ministry like uh, you know, we're doing Beth Moore studies. I've I've been familiar with her my I feel like my entire life. And um, so for her to speak also specifically to what she would like to see people look for in a church or just to say, if you want a church that really values women and you show up and you don't see the influence of women anywhere, you should ask that question. And that to me just felt super practical. Yeah, Um,
0: absolutely. Or, Or she also said, you know, if you sense some theological arrogance... Mm-hmm. Right, you know, it's it's one thing to to say, "Hey, we stand by our convictions." It's another to have an unbiblical kind of sinful pride about your theological convictions and the way in which yeah. you wield them. And she she was really clear; like that's a red flag for her. If, if you're yeah. looking for a new church, theological arrogance, um, self righteousness, and then also if you if you do value the role of women in the church and you don't see them anywhere, like mm-hmm. anywhere, uh, then then that's a sign that this probably is not going to be yeah, there, there's the a question for you. mark.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For
0: sure. I I really, I really appreciated, you know, the fact that she early on in the conversation, she recognized that, look, changing churches should not be done flippantly. It should not mm-hmm. be done easily. She recognized that there is uh, some consumerism in the heart of a lot of people and they church mm-hmm. shop and the second that it gets uncomfortable or, or they get disinterested or bored, they they try to find a new place. Or they stop going altogether. And she, she made it clear that that, that none of that had anything to do with the change that she made and, mm-hmm. and that making this kind of change should not come easily and it should not be done often, but sometimes it has to happen. Yeah. And so I, I appreciated yeah. that she, she made that distinction. Yeah. What else, What else stood out to you, Rachel?
1: Oh gosh. You know, the listeners weren't privy to this, but we prayed before we started. <laughs> and yeah, she yeah. said, if you want to know somebody's theology, listen to them pray. And I was like, man, that's so good. Yeah, like how good- often even I even thought like how often are you praying with people or whatever and you're like you get caught up all in your words and you're just like no this is a reflection of what I see in the heart of God and I just that wasn't even part of this podcast and I'm going to like carry it with me forever.
0: Yeah, that's true. Now, as the one who prayed, I'm sitting there thinking, now what does she think of my theology? I don't know. (laughs) What
1: does she think of your? What did I say? That's right. Yep.
0: that's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I hope this conversation was helpful for people because, as we tried to make clear Mm -hmm. in the interview, you know, what we want to make simple in this conversation with Beth Moore is is this this transition that people find themselves in from having to either you know start going to church or find a new church for whatever reason. It's not an easy thing, and and she she made that clear. You know, she talked about the awkwardness of, of going to an Anglican church for the first time, which has this, this really detailed liturgy, having grown mm-hmm. up in the SBC or the Southern Baptist Church, which has like almost no liturgy. You know, she yeah. recognized the awkwardness and, and things and all of that. And so I, I think, you know, I think this conversation did a good job of just uh, making simple the reality that, look, this happens. People have to make church transitions. It's not easy, yeah. but, but sometimes it must be done and it can be done. And if Beth Moore can do it with people making fun of her on Twitter... <laughs> then you can do it too. <laughs> then
1: right? I can do it too. Yeah, right. you yep. can do it too. It was so good.
0: Yeah, it was really, really okay.
1: Good. Yeah. So, so what was your soundbite that you take away from this?
0: Oh goodness, there there were there were so many things, even things that were said mm-hmm. um, outside of our recording session that that were just really thoughtful and profound mm-hmm. from her. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would say this. You know, my my takeaway is this that that sometimes, in order to grow, you have to go. And that's what I heard Beth saying. You know, she did not make this change from one church to another um as a as a power grab because she could get more influence in another denomination. She didn't do it as a way to as a way to send a message to her theological enemies. You know, she she right. didn't do any of that. Um she didn't do this for any of those reasons. She did this because this was a matter of faithfulness for her in her own following after Jesus. And she came to a determination that in order to be faithful in her faith in Jesus, and in order to grow, she had to make this very difficult change. And I thought that that was helpful for all of us. Sometimes in order to be faithful and in order to grow, you have to go. You have to go somewhere else. And it's okay if you have to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Rachel, what about you? So- as you were talking, I actually have two, I think. So she started talking about when her and Keith were looking for a church. She was like, okay, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the spine and here are the ribs. And yeah. so, so just that idea of like it's important if you're looking for a church. Like, what's the spine? What has what is my non-negotiable? And then right. what are the things that like are supportive, but that I can work around? And I think that's an important thing to think through if you're going if you're going to be looking for a new church, what are the things that I feel in my life God has made important to me? Um, And so I thought that was really good. I also um, just the impression I get from her whole story, I am walking away with this idea that you can go through something like this. that's incredibly difficult. And you can be honest about the ways you've been hurt without making those people the villain. Mm. And I think when we tell stories in our lives, it's really easy to make the people who've hurt us, Write out villains. And right. I got to say, I think there are some villains in her story. But yep. for her, as she walks forward to say, like, and I think that's because of her love of Jesus, where she says, like, this is between me and God, how I move forward. And it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what comes against me. And so I was just really inspired by that. That's right.
0: And, and I think that was, the, I think that's a really good thing to highlight because it's instructive to all of us. Because again, what we're trying to make simple here is that. This is a change, albeit mm-hmm. in a smaller, less public fashion, that many of us have to make. We have to change churches, mm-hmm. uh, we have to change denominational tribes, right? Um, and and there is a temptation for all of us in that to point fingers as we exit at the people that we think were motivating factors in us yep. feeling like we have to go, and to yep. demonize them and to justify our our move or our transition by saying, well, they don't believe this and they treat people like this. And those things very well may be true, and they may need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. As you leave, but there's a way to do it with grace and there's a way to do yeah. it with dignity and there's a way to do it that doesn't, uh, that doesn't force you to roll around in the same mud that you're accusing yeah. them of being dirty of. Right. A hundred
1: percent. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, that Absolutely. distinction. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, this was, this is amazing. I could have talked to Beth all day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's a, she's a great conversationalist. Yeah. She really is. Sure. It, was a, it was a really good interview. Well, we would love to know what you thought of this conversation with Beth Moore and what were your takeaways? What was your, what was your bottom line, big idea that you take away from this conversation with Beth Moore about changing churches? And you can let us know by heading over to Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at M Popovitz, that's at M P O P O V I T S. Look for the post about today's episode with Beth Moore, and then drop a comment. Give it a like. Drop a comment. Let us know what you thought about this conversation. Well, Rachel, uh, one more thing before we go, I need to thank you for at the end of this interview just sharing your own personal
1: oh. story
0: of your interaction with with yeah. Beth. That you know, that's a I can tell that's a tender story for you, mm-hmm. and you were wrestling with whether or not you should you should share that with her. I'm just, yeah, I'm just I really thankful was. You, yeah, I'm, th- I'm thankful you did. And I think I think Beth was thankful for that, too.
1: I really appreciate that. It's um, I felt like this was a safe place to bring that up. And I appreciated that. I just had that opportunity to share that with her because it was very impactful for me. So thank yeah.
0: you. Um, as a listener, it was impactful for me. Thank you. So, Rachel, let's uh, let's do it again. Let's find something else to make simple. Let's gather our friends right back here and let's uh, let's do this again, shall we? OK, let's do it. Thanks for helping us make it simple. The show is produced by MPM. Our editor is Marsha Lambeth. Artwork for the show was designed by Brenton Little. Do you have a topic you'd like us to tackle or an expert you'd like us to chat with? Send your ideas to info at mattpopovits.com. That's info at M-A-T-T-P-O-P-O-V-I-T-S And if you'd like more information about Make It Simple or MPM, just head to mattpopovits.com.